Isaiah 1, verse 2 and 3, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you today, Lord, to thank you for just the privilege to be here with God's people, to have our health and strength, Lord, and to have this wonderful opportunity. How blessed of God we are. Help us, Lord, not to take it all for granted. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help me to preach. Lord, I need wisdom. I need the power of God. I need special strength. And Lord, you know my need. And I ask that you would bestow it for your glory and your honor. Speak to our hearts, O God, today, and do for us what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message on the subject of taking for granted. You know, I think uh, the major sin of Israel and the major sin of people today is that we just take everything for granted. It's because that we have so much. We've forgotten how to be thankful. Uh, you take people that have very little, they are so appreciative of little things. We have received such bountiful blessings of God and we have such an abundance that really we don't have any reason to, to grumble and complain. We do our part of that. Just taking it for granted. Now this is true as far as our Heavenly Father. The Lord said, I have nourished and brought up children. And they rebelled against me. He said, the ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people, doth not consider. God is simply saying, Israel has just forgotten me. They just take me for granted. Malachi uses the example of a son. He said, A son honoreth his father, a servant his master. Then I be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord of hosts. God said that uh, I don't have any honor, <clears throat> that I'm just taken for granted, really. And when we think about it, that's, that's about the way we treat God, really. We just take God for granted. You know, we're quite dependent upon the Lord, aren't we? The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. He gave it to all life, breath, and all things. If we're going to take anybody for granted, it ought to be God. We can do without a lot of things. We can do without a lot of people. 
We can't do without him. Not only does he give us life, physical life, sustain our physical life, but he has given us eternal life and a home in heaven. And we just accept it, ho-hum, and we just take God for granted most of the time. Maybe once a year we are reminded, I hope we are anyway, many people even Thanksgiving, they think of Thanksgiving as turkey and, and ball game. Uh, they don't consider God uh, at all. And uh, yet we need to consider him. Now the Bible said in Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that we can call God our Father. It's such a wonderful thing and such a blessed thing. We should never take him for granted. Malachi said the son honors his father. But I'm a father, but I don't receive any honor. Sometimes we, we live as if God did not even exist. People get together. Families get together at Thanksgiving, enjoy a meal together, enjoy fellowship together. And I think the Lord is disignored in many situations. And the Lord's there. And we may pause before the meal and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the food. But not much conversation about God, is there? Not much conversation about the Lord and the things of God. You know, for a Christian, that ought to be the, 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 the major thing. I'd rather talk about the Lord than anything I know of. That's my favorite subject. I realize I talk about him a lot. <laughs> I've talked about him a whole lot for the last 26 years. And uh, yet, when I get around people, I want the conversation. I want the Lord to be honored and the Lord to be exalted and not just ignored and taken for granted as if God didn't matter. He ought to be the center of attraction. You know that? He ought to be given the place of highest honor and lifted up because he's worthy, not just taken for granted. Deuteronomy 32, 18, of Israel, he said of the rock to beget thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And there's many verses that we could give you. But he said, you're unmindful. In other words, you don't think about me. And I wonder, in the process of an average day, how many times our thoughts turn to the Lord of the things of God. You thought about it? Sometimes I get so busy and doing things and, and uh, then it'll come to me sometime during the day. Lord, I haven't even thought of you at all today. That's bad. The Spirit of God will remind me and convict me. He said Ezra was unmindful. How did they get away from God? How did they sin like they did? It's because they become unthankful. Romans 1 talks about the Gentile world, and he said, neither were they thankful. They just took everything for granted. 
God help us not to take God for granted. Then we take our faith for granted. Second Peter 1 9 says, talks about uh, the uh, character traits that we're to have. And he said, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Jude 3 said, Earnestly to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We shall never get over the excitement of being saved today. How important is salvation to us? Thank God we have eternal life. Our sins have been forgiven. We're going to live with the Lord forever. We're going to have a glorified body. We have salvation. Yeah, I'm saved, so what? Preacher talks about salvation, and we don't get excited about it. it. Used to excite us. Remember when God first saved you? Remember the excitement, the joy, the blessing of being saved? And you wanted to tell everybody. Excites me when I see young converts saved. They're so excited about it, they think the whole world ought to get saved. They go to the friends and sometimes they, they think they're going to win the world. And they go out and they begin to tell others about how God has saved them and how they know the Lord and they're going to go to heaven. And they're so excited about it. It's kind of like a fellow got saved. A young man got saved and he was so excited about his salvation he was so glad he was saved. He said, boy, I'll tell you, this is great. It's the best thing ever happened to me. It's wonderful. I've got to tell others about this. An old deacon went to him, and he said, you know, when God saved me, I was just like you. He said, I got over it. You'll get over it. <laughs> That's the problem. We get over it. We've gotten over it. We're not excited about it. You know, the apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he said, I want to tell you, what happened to me on the Damascus Road? I want to tell you what happened to me. It didn't matter if he was before kings. It didn't matter who he was before. He said, I want to tell you what happened to me on the road to Damascus. He never got over that experience. He never got tired of telling it. You know, people may get tired of hearing about our salvation. We should never get tired of telling it. I never get tired of telling people how God saved me. Most exciting event in my life when God saved me. As a 10-year-old boy, I wanted to be saved, and God saved me. But we take it for granted. We just take it for granted. God help us not to take our faith for granted, our salvation for granted. Then there's another thing we take for granted, and that's the fellowship of God's people. You know, fellowship is a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. 1 John 1, 3 said, That which we have heard, seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John said, I want to tell you about it. I want to tell you about what I've seen 
I want to tell you about what I've heard. I want to fellowship with you. I want you to be able to fellowship with God. I want to tell you about it. The fellowship of God's people. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse uh, 9 and 10, Paul writes and said, but what, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And you will find these statements throughout the epistles of Paul. He appreciated the people of God. He loved God's people. And he said here that, uh, uh, that uh, the joy that you bring to me, what things can we render to God? And he said, I want to see you. I want to be with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to preach to you. I want you to grow in the faith. I want to provide that which is lacking in your faith. And I want you to mature as a Christian. He desired that. He had a longing to be with God's people. And I think we ought to have that same desire. I mean, what does church mean to us today? What does the fellowship of God's people mean? Do we just take it for granted? You know, that's, it's hard for me to understand sporadic attendance to the house of God. I want you to think of this thought. What if every member of this church was just like you? What kind of church are just like me? What kind of church would we have? You know, sometimes we wouldn't even have service. If every member was just like you, will we have a Sunday night service? Will we have a Wednesday night service? Would anybody go soul winning? If every member was just exactly like you, you want to know what kind of Christian you ought to be and I ought to be? We ought to be the kind of Christian that we could say as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul could say, you want to be a good Christian? You want to please the Lord? You want to be what you ought to be? Then look at me and watch me and look at my life and then live your life like I live. And you'll be all right. Man, what a Christian. That's the kind of Christian we ought to be. And if we're not that kind of Christian, we're falling short. And we take things for granted. The fellowship of God's people. To me, there's nothing more important this side of heaven the fellowship of God's people. I don't come to church because I have to preach this morning. I don't have to preach. Someone else could preach. I come to church because I want to be around God's people. I want to see you. And if you're not here, it bothers me. You're missed. You're important. And don't take it for granted. 
Just don't take it for granted. You know, some countries took it for granted and they lost it. We can take it for granted, can't we? I know when I was pastor of Providence Road, came time for me to leave. That was one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. One of the hardest things for the church. People came to me. They said, we just, we thought you'd be here for, for always. We just take you for granted. We just assumed you was going to be here. I was there for nine and a half years. I've been here 15. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever stay in another church that long. Now I've been here almost twice as long as I was there. And, uh, but we take, we take God for granted. We take our salvation for granted. We take one another for granted. And we just think everything's going to be like it's always been, and it's not going to be. God help us on this Thanksgiving season to be reminded that we don't, are not to take things for granted. And not to take the people of God for granted our fellowship then there's another thing we take for granted and that is our family you know God established the family a nation will never be any stronger than its families that's why our nation's trouble we got our families are falling apart and we wonder what's wrong with our country What's wrong with our churches? No church, no country will be stronger than the families that make that church or country up. God established the family as the first unit upon earth. Genesis 2, 24, he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and, and they too shall be one flesh. You can't get any closer than that, can you? One flesh. God said, I will take two and I'll make one out of them. And only God can do that. That's why you should never marry anyone that God don't tell you to marry. Because only God can make one out of two. One and one plus one is one <laughs> in God's way of doing things. And only God can do that. Ain't no preacher can do that. Preacher can say the words, you take this, uh, this uh, uh, woman, and I do. You take this man, I do. And okay, you're, you're one flesh. Preacher can say all the right words. And the people can make all kind of promises. And those promises don't mean a whole lot in their society, but they mean a whole lot when God, as far as God's concerned. But people, you can go through the motions and go through a ceremony, but that doesn't make you one. Only God can bind you together as one. Only God can do that. And God established the family. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, 28, He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Because God said you'll be one. If you love your wife, you love yourself. But you know you get married, 
you just start taking one another for granted, don't you? I counsel with people. You know what the main problem is? They start taking one another for granted. I mean, when you're dating, you think that's the most beautiful woman you ever laid eyes on. You're trying to win her favor. You open the car door and let her slide in. Pull out the seat and let her sit down. But after you're married a while, run, get in the car and start blowing the horn. Come on! Where are you at? Open your own car door. We start taking one another for granted. We wonder why there's problems. Works both ways, doesn't it? Children in the family. God said, The fifth commandment, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In fact, all the commandments have to do with the, the benefit of the family and the strength of the family. God gave those commandments for man's good and man's benefit and for the family unit. But we begin to take one another for granted. And problems arise. And we forget how to be thankful. If you have a good wife, if you have a good husband, if you have a good family, thank God for it because many don't have it. These people in the world would give tens of thousands of dollars if they could have what you have. The Bible said, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You find God's choice. You let God put you together and you'll have a wonderful situation. But you ignore God's word and God's principles and you pay the price. God says you reap what you sow. You thank God for your family. Little things. Like a fella said, if you told your wife that you love her, he said, I told her when we was married 25 years ago. She knows I love her. <laughs> 25 years. There ain't a woman on the face of the earth that doesn't want to be told that they're loved. You want, me to, you want me to tell you something else? There's not a man either that don't like to hear it. Isn't that right, fellas? Huh? Amen? Some of you are afraid to say amen, shake your head, or do anything. <laughs> Men like it. Women like it. Children like it. Parents like it. And we need to practice it. But we just take one another for granted. My pastor down in Maiden, we didn't get to go to see our folks very often. Two or three times. Three or four times a year, something like that. Never on the weekend. But we always thought they'd be there. Always, you know. That can change, can't it? That can change. Don't take one another for granted. Don't take your family for granted. Then another thing we take for granted, and that is our freedom. God not only established the family, but God ordained freedom. Where did freedom come from? 
came from God. Freedom didn't come from our forefathers. The freedom we enjoy in America did not come from man. That came from God. That principle is a divine principle. Communism is of the devil. Rejects God and it enslaves man. God established freedom. When God put man and woman in the Garden of Eden, he said, uh, he said of every tree of the garden I miss, freely eat. It was there for man's enjoyment. And man could eat of it freely. Sin brings slavery, doesn't it? Sin enslaves man. God wants man to be free. And this world is in slavery to sin. This world is in bondage to sin. After Adam and Eve had sinned against God, God drove them out of the garden and no longer, no longer was he free. But they had to labor in the sweat of your face. You'll have to earn your living. You'll have to feed yourself until you return to the dust. You're going to be a slave. You're going to be a, a servant to the earth. And it's not going to yield its, it's going to not yield its increase. And you're going to be enslaved as long as you live. All of us are in bondage, aren't we? As far as the physical. We're enslaved to, uh, to make a living. And, uh, uh, to all the other problems that afflict us. Man lost that blessed freedom. And he was driven out of the garden. God said, the Lord said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he goes on and said to the Son, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. The truth makes man free. That's why the Catholic Church kept the Bible from people for centuries. Because they knew if they had access to the Word of God, they'd rebel against that enslaving religion. The truth sets a man free. Freedom is precious and wonderful. And I want to tell you today, there are forces that are at work to destroy our freedom. To enslave us. One of the early patriarchs of our country, the early framers of our country, he said democracy cannot long exist because when people, people realize they can vote themselves a handout from the government, they will always vote for the politician that will promise them something. You know what he was basing that on? He was basing it on the greed of man. He realized that man has a selfish heart, that man is filled with greed. And he wants something for nothing. And he wants a handout without earning it. But there are forces that are at work to destroy our country and gradually, step by step, they're wrecking this country. They're destroying our freedom. I think one of, the, one of the worst mistakes the United States has ever made is letting the United Nations run the war in Iraq. 
We quit that war too soon. And we let them, there are forces that, that want us to, it's this world, world government idea to put us under the auspices of the United Nations to destroy us. We know that scripturally this must come about. But they're out to take away our freedom, to destroy our freedom. You see it at work in all the different aspects of life. Freedom's a precious thing. Our forefathers wanted us to be free. Freedom of religion freedom of speech we could be free if I want to get in the car and go to California I don't have to I don't have to ask nobody I don't have to ask the governor I don't have to ask the president I don't have to ask nobody go where I please that's freedom we want to come together and worship God and praise God and sing songs of praise and preach the truth and Talk about what's wrong with our government. Ain't nobody standing back there with a gun saying we can't do it. That's freedom. Freedom to preach the gospel. Freedom to win this. Freedom to win souls. What a blessing. Do you realize some communities are passing ordinances that uh, you can't knock on doors, you can't solicit. You don't solicit any, anybody to Christ or anything else. We don't want you in here preaching your religion. We don't want you in the parking lot preaching your religion. I remember some years ago, we was up to crucifying. There was a couple of fellows out there preaching in the parking lot. My wife had went into Sky City there to pick up a few things. A policeman came in. Those fellows are preaching. Says you can't do that here. That's not allowed. Stopped it. I went in the Sky City store. I said, I said, who? I, I talked to me. I said, who, who, who called the police? They said the manager of Sky City. I went in and talked to the manager of Sky City. He said, that's right. He was very rude, very smart at about it. Have church if they want to preach, let them go to church and preach. He'd be out there in the parking lot of preaching. I went and hugged up my wife. She had a few items. I said, leave them. Leave them. We're not buying nothing. From an outfit that feels that way about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where's Sky City today? Freedom. Freedom's a precious thing. We're trying to get this telephone ministry going. We better get it going in a hurry. I think Congress is already considering putting a stop to this sort of thing. Freedom. Freedom's precious. I could go on and on. God help us not to take it for granted and enjoy it and stand for it and fight for it and pay the price. Christians bought the, the lie for years that Christians ought to be involved in politics. Politics is dirty and rotten. A lot of it is. And Christians ought to be involved. Christians had better be involved. Are they going to padlock our churches like they did in Nebraska with Everett Sullivan? 
they're going to drag your kids out of your home. They ain't going to let you raise them anymore. They're going to raise them in government daycare centers. And the government's going to be their God from cradle to grave. We better stand and do all we can to stand and fight for this freedom and not take it for granted. Our forefathers paid the price. And many of them died and they pledged their fortunes and their sacred honor and their lives and they paid they paid the price but they said it's worth dying for it's worth whatever it costs us freedom is precious for us to be free and for our children and our grandchildren to be free we better pay the price freedom let me move on a couple more points before I close Another thing we take for granted is our food. Psalm 104, 14 said, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Psalm 136, 25 said, He giveth, who giveth food to all flesh. We take it for granted. Where does the food come from? Food comes out of the same dust that God made man. We take it for granted. They say we're one, we're one harvest away from starvation in the United States. One crop failure and people will be starving in the United States. We're sending to Russia all kinds of food and grain. Why? Because they can't feed their people and they say they'll starve without it. In Russia, they're going to starve. spend all these millions of dollars on weapons and letting their own people starve to death. We have been so blessed of God in America while much of the world has lived in poverty and, and experienced famine and crop failures. God has blessed America abundantly. Nobody can doubt the blessings of God on America. Some people think food comes out of a, a can. Food don't come out. Food's got to be put in the can. It don't grow there. Don't grow in the supermarket. <laughs> Grows in the ground. It has to be transported there. It has to be packaged. And we take it for granted. But we have such an abundance. We have so much. God help us not to take it for granted. To enjoy food. And to have such blessing. The Bible teaches there in the model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That's simply recognizing where it comes from. God says, you won't have anything if I didn't provide it. Food will not grow without sunshine. It'll not grow without rain. It'll not grow without dirt. It don't just happen. God makes it grow. And then there's a final point, and that is fatness. And I'm not speaking about being overweight talking about health, good health. What a blessing to be well. Someone says we never know how to appreciate it till we lose it. Some of you young people today, you're healthy, you don't know what it is to be sick. You may have a little sniffle. These kids, you know, they can, they can run around, you know, and jump up and down all day long. Jump in the bed and Half a minute they're asleep. 
jump up and go about their business. No care to enjoy good health is such a precious thing. And there's so many people in the world with suffering and so much sickness and so much sorrow. But we just take it for granted. I'm, you know, I'm always going to be healthy. But that's not the way it is, folks. Sooner or later, if you're not sick now, sooner or later, it's going to come your way. So enjoy it while you can and be thankful for it. And if you can get up in the morning and feel good, you ought to thank God and say, Lord, I just want to thank you and I don't want to take this for granted. God, I want to thank you today that I feel good. Lord, I want to thank you that I've got food in this house. We have something to eat. Lord, I just don't want to take it for granted anymore. You know, you can find a whole lot to pray about and a whole lot to thank God for if we just think about it. You know, we pray. Most of our prayers, we pray two minutes and we're through. We've prayed for everything we know about. We pray for the world. We pray for the country and the missionaries and the sick. And, and we, we pray for everything we can think about in two minutes. We don't okay, think, think of anything to pray about. Prayed about everything. And the reason, the reason our prayer lives is like that is because we take so much for granted. We just take it for granted. We're going to have a special Thanksgiving service Wednesday night. And I want you to be thinking between now and Wednesday about how good God's been to you and what you have to be thankful for and not take it for granted and not just do it on one day as Brother Thomason brought out in the opening but do it every day of the year throughout the year the little things the little blessings you know if you'll be thankful for the little things You'll have bigger things to be thankful for. After a while, you'll have so much, it'll, hard, it'll be hard to find time to be thankful for everything. Don't take God for granted. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. John said, I want you to prosper. I want you to enjoy good health. What a blessing. What a blessing to have it. I want to thank God publicly this morning for the good health that God's given me over the years. I've had very little problems with sickness. God has been so gracious and so good. I want to thank him. Let's bow our heads, please.